Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode, what are we this week? 36. All right. 36 of Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Begone, and I have like a lot of things to talk to you guys about today. Um, the first thing is that uh, I'm going to talk about Hanukkah. I will get to Hanukkah at the end, but I want to go through some listener questions first. Uh, also, I want to tell everybody how excited I am for a class that I'm starting here. Uh, it's going to be online. So if you want to know more about it, please send me an email, Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H, at balagan, B-A-L-A-G-A-N, B-G-O-N-E, B-E-G-O-N-E.com. That's Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H, at balagan, begone.com. And I can send you more information about the class. Um, it's going to be a challenge group. It's really, really exciting, but it's only going to be like online. So uh, if you, that's why I'm asking people to email me if you're interested instead of just leaving a voicemail. Um, if it works, this is my first, it's a beta test. Uh, if it works, well, when it works, Vezrat Hashem, I can open it up and see if we could, you know, do it uh, with recordings. Anyway, uh, I'm super excited about it. It's really a unique setup and I think that it will go really amazing. So if you're interested, please send me an email. Okay. Um, to the lady who called me and told me a story, I'm sorry, but your email really wasn't, I mean, your voicemail wasn't um, clear at all, and I couldn't hear your name, and I wasn't really sure the story, you must not have been speaking close enough to the phone, so this is just a reminder, ladies, speak slow, speak clearly, speak loudly, um, because a lot of times I really can't hear the, the voicemail messages, so please, I want to answer your questions, I want to address things that you call me about, but I can't, if I can't hear you. Okay, Today, I just want to say something um, before I get to the questions. Today, it's raining in Israel. And as we know, Israel is like the only place where it's not a given that it will rain. And we have to pray to God for rain. And it's been a really dry winter. And uh, at this time last year, around this time, there were terrible, terrible fires in Israel. And uh, I live in Haifa, and there were actually really, really terrible fires in Haifa. Baruch Hashem, my house was not affected, although it did stink for a few weeks like smoke because the fire was very close to my house, but nothing in my house, Baruch Hashem, was um, affected, although it would have been a nice opportunity to start over. Um... I don't know. It was funny when I made Aliyah, I said to the shipper, could you please make sure you dump everything into the sea because I want to start again. But whatever. It is what it is. So um, I just want to remind everybody that rain in Israel is a big, 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 big bracha. And we really, really have to daven. And it's been really, really, really dry here. And it would be chaval, chaval, chaval if something terrible tragedy like fire happened again and um please 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 daven for rain in israel um it's nice it's raining a little bit but we need a lot more rain so please keep that in mind in your tefillah over the next few weeks okay here we go tachlis leah from brooklyn said getting rid of five things every day is not so hard when she actually looked closely she was really surprised at how much could actually leave her house every day and that's amazing what i want to say about that is just that 
If you're making a commitment for things to leave your house, please get them out of your house ASAP. Put them in your car and drive them to the charity shops right away. (laughs) Uh, The faster you can get them out of your house, the better it is for you. Because if you leave them sitting in the corner, you might be tempted to go back and put them in the drawer. This leads me to Khani, who said, you know, she lives in Lakewood and... um, She doesn't know where to bring things because a lot of the shops in Lakewood only want things that are very new and current and in really good condition. And she has things that have been sitting around for a while that she wants to get rid of. So if things are really in bad condition, then like they have holes in them or they're stained or something, put them in a bag, mark rags, and you could take them to Goodwill. Um, In America, there's lots of um, shops that, I mean drop boxes they're usually like around gas stations or in shopping malls in parking lots uh, where you can just drop the clothes in and they sort the clothing they sort it either for uh, recycling or to be given to other countries Um, and I mean as long as it's not going into the landfill that's to me a win it doesn't really matter where it goes so I appreciate the idea that everybody wants to support a Jewish organization that has a secondhand shop but Um, honestly, it's best if, you know, we just don't throw it in the landfill. What I want to say about secondhand is that, especially when we have large families, it's worthwhile to buy secondhand. Uh, there are great secondhand shops. I know there's like, um, kid to kid and there's, uh, a a child's place. I think it's called, uh, that's not what it's called. Uh, Once Upon a Child, that's what it's called. Once Upon a Child, and they actually buy stuff or you can get credit um, in the shops. And those are really great places to take kids' clothes. They don't necessarily care if they're current as long as they're in good condition. And you can, you know, get what you need for your kids. I used to shop there all the time in Israel. We really don't have those kind of stores here, at least not that I know of um, or that are close to me. So, but I actually, I do buy my kids new things, like I said before, but I buy them so little things that by the end of the season, they're really not um, able to hand me down anymore. Um, What I I wanted to answer, Hani, about your next step of the question was, in a large family, when it seems like there's endless amounts of stuff, you know, in the winter, there's hats and gloves and mittens and boots and and you know sweaters and all this kind of you know winter clothing and then in the summer there's crocs and flip-flops and suntan lotion and hats and buckets and i get that i totally get that uh that doesn't mean that we still should have more than we need now whatever number you need for your family is what you need but take a hard look and see does your kid need five shirts for shabbat okay maybe he needs three and that's fine. But does he need five? My kids get along with two. They're pretty good about keeping them clean. I mean, for a younger kid, it you might need more. But, you know, my boys are nine and almost 11 next week. Next week? Two weeks? My oldest son will be 11. So they're okay. They can get by with two shirts. They have two short sleeves, two long sleeves. I always buy them a bigger size so it lasts two seasons. Um, I can't really hand down in between them anymore because um, they're like the same exact size. So I hear you on the there's a lot of stuff. I totally get it. But 
I think that in most families, even large families, there's a lot that we can reduce so that there is less clutter. Now, in the off season, let's talk about storing those things. So in the winter time, in the summertime, you can store the mittens, the gloves, the hats, the scarves, the boots, and swap them with whatever you had stored in the summer. So it's all in the same place. So you know where you're going every season and all you have to do is swap it out and rotate it. I mean, rotation is really the key, finding a place for everything. If you don't have enough place in your home, then you have too much stuff. It's funny because I had a client this week and um, we had sorted out her closet and... Um, there were a lot of things about this client that were tricky, but we had sorted out her closet and we had reduced her closet by at least six bags of stuff, but she didn't have all the laundry cleaned on the first day that I was there. And so (laughs) we had to do the closet a second time, which is normal. Even if she would have had all the laundry done, we still would have had to do the closet a second time because at the first time it's too raw. It's too emotional. You can't get everything done. It's just too hard. So so we we did a first pass and then we did a second pass. And on the second pass, she was able to get rid of a whole other bag of stuff, which was amazing. And the thing is, is that what I noticed from the first time to the second time was that her laundry piles that had been sitting on her sofa were cut down so significantly. significantly. The amount of laundry waiting to be washed in the laundry room had also been cut down because... She was, even though she was washing slightly more frequently, she was able to clean up more easily because there was less clothes to clean up. She was washing because she actually needed the clothes. And when you can fit the clothes back in the closet, it's much easier to put them away rather than not knowing where they go in the closet. Now she has a macomb for her skirts, for her shirts, for her dresses, for her underwear, for her bras, for her stockings, for her socks, for her pajamas for her you know leggings she had for her for her head coverings for all her mitpachot she had a macomb it was faster to clean up her husband too he was so much more able to what she had done was she had sort she only has one baby but what she had done was she had sorted the clothes between like household items you know sheets towels her clothes the baby's clothes and her husband's clothes it was so fast for them to, um, you know, put away the clothes once they were sorted because they actually had a macomb. So it's not just the sheer amount of stuff that you need, especially when you have a big family. It's also the idea of having a macomb for everything that you have in your house. Now, I will say I saw this really cool video from this lady who had six kids, and what she did in her laundry room was she put in a cabinet with um i think nine slots so she had a basket in each slot for each kid one for her one for her husband and like one for the household stuff and she never folded the laundry she just sorted everybody's clean clothes into the baskets and everybody was responsible for putting away their own stuff and to me that's like a great idea i mean When you have less clothes, there's really less need to fold them because they don't get quite as wrinkled. I mean, depending on the fabric, especially like kids' t-shirts and stuff, they don't get quite as wrinkled. And do I really care if my kid has a wrinkled shirt? I personally don't. Maybe some of you do. Um, But honestly, it doesn't really matter to me. 
I just feel like that was such a great idea. It's such a time saver. Let my kids be responsible for putting away their old stuff. Now, I don't have a space to do something like that in my house. And I actually love folding clothes. It's very like cathartic for me. I love the idea of just like moving my hands a little bit and like doing something that I can just think for a minute about something else, but still be doing something useful. We um, don't have a ton of laundry because we keep our load small and it's easy to um, manage for me. Um, but yeah, I think that when you have less, even in a large family, it's still better. And when everything has a place, that sort of makes everything easier. I hope that answers your question and Khani. And um, let me know if it doesn't. Okay, Rifki, <laughs> this is about Hanukkah, so I'm going to just go back to this one. Hang on. Um, okay, Hanukkah, here we go. What? No, wait, we're not ready for Hanukkah yet. Okay, Adina called and says she isn't making conscientious choices to reduce waste, but it's happening naturally. She, so that's really amazing, Adina. She um, gave me a shopping tip uh, where she said, to combat buyer's remorse, um, she comes back next week. She, you know, says, I'll come back next week for this item. And if it's, you know, if I still want it. Um, if you're concerned that, I think that's a great idea, first of all, but if you're concerned that the item might not be there when you come back, even thinking about it, delaying the purchase, delaying the gratification for one day is helpful. Put the item on hold. Most stores will hold clothing or items for 24 hours and then take it off the hold. Put it on hold for 24 hours and think about it. You don't need to purchase right away, and that will really cut back on buyer's remorse. So great tip, Adina. Um, okay, kids' artwork. I don't know who this was. She didn't leave her name. Um, she said that she has an art spot area, but she doesn't want to take pictures because she wants her kids to understand that papers come and papers go. But the thing is here... While I can appreciate that, that it's a good trick and it eases anxiety for kids. So let let me just back up for a minute. Um, I think last week I had said, or maybe two weeks ago, I don't remember. I've said it a few times, actually, um, but I don't remember when I said it most recently. Regarding kids' artwork that I used to bathe my kids and put them in their pajamas and they would look all clean and crisp. And after Shabbos, I would take pictures of them holding their artwork and um, then they would look through the pictures and they would love it. And, and the thing about doing it that way is that not only do they see their pictures, but they see their own growth. They see the growth in their, in their drawing skills. They see their own physical growth. And I think that I understand that you want your kids to understand that things come and things go and that these papers aren't so precious. But kids who have no control in their lives over anything else in their lives... This is something that they created and they feel like they have control over this item and they do. And because they will scream and cry and yell if, if you know, you throw it out. So they do have control over it in a certain way. And the thing is, is we need to teach our kids that things come and things go. That's true. But we also have to 
teach them how to get to that point. And for a two or three or four year old, they can't understand the concept of things come and things go. So when they have control about making the decisions, it's easier for them to discard things. When they see that the pile is so thick, it's easier for them to discard. But the most important aspect to doing this, where you put everything in a pile till, till Motei Shabbat, then you take a picture and then you decide what is the most important one or two pictures from each that go in the box. And at the end of the year, you sort it again so that you have room for next year. And the thing about doing that is that kids realize that this is a process. It gives them time to to think and adjust and make changes in their life. And that is really the skill that we have to teach them. It's a learned skill, ladies. They, We have to teach it and they need the opportunity to learn about how to make decisions. And this Doing small things like artwork, I know it's tedious, I know it's annoying, I know it's irritating, I know it takes up space, but Be'emet, this helps them learn what's important and what's not. You have to give them opportunities to practice to see this in action. They are not going to understand papers come and papers go unless they have an opportunity to practice that skill. So while I hear what you're saying to me and it's important, this gives them the ability to practice because they don't get a lot of other opportunities in their life to practice executive function skills. They just don't. So taking a picture allows them to understand the progress, the procession, the, the procession of you know, keeping, discarding, and and doing it in a process, well, I know it is super annoying. Trust me, it irritates me to no end, holding on to all this stupid artwork for all this time, especially because they never look at it and they never ask to look at it and they don't want to see it. But this is how they learn in the long term to not be hoarders. Okay, so I hope that... Um, answers your question. Okay, so I got two more calls about the iRobots. Ladies, I want to stop talking about the iRobots. So I'm going to answer these questions and then I hope that we're done with the iRobot for a while. If you want to buy one, please, I'm not an iRobot salesperson. I don't get any money from selling them to you. Please go to Best Buy or Bed Bath & Beyond and ask them to explain it and show you a demo. Um, I will say my friend tried to convince me to get the newest model, which is Square, which is a cleaner. It's not called the scuba anymore. They renamed it. Now I can't remember what it's called. It comes with cleaning pads, and I decided not to get that because the pads are not zero waste. So I just use the regular vacuum cleaner. So if someone called me and said, she vacuums the floor, takes 20 minutes to do a 1,000 square feet. Isn't there in between, between an eye robot and, uh, you know, doing it yourself? And by the way, it gives her exercise. So here's the thing, the iRo, and this will also answer the other lady's question who called me. She didn't leave her name, did she? Oh, Goldie. Goldie from Brooklyn called and said, does it go over area rugs and does it stop by itself? It no. So, so yes, it goes over area rugs and it knows after like doing it a few times, it knows the layout of your room and it knows where everything is and it learns like the space and it stops. It automatically goes back to its home, its docking station when it's finished. And the thing is, is that it takes about an hour for the iRobot to do my my first floor. And I don't know the square footage of my, my first floor. And it's true. I could probably vacuum the whole thing in 20 or 25 minutes, of course. 
But the thing is, is that I don't want to. Those 25 minutes are precious to me. And I don't have time, especially to do that every single day. Cause some days, you know, I leave the house at, you know, six o'clock to, I leave the house at six o'clock. I'm getting up at, you know, 5.30. I leave the house at six o'clock to go to a client and I'm not home till five. And I don't want to spend 20 or 30 minutes vacuuming my floor. This is something that gets done by itself. I just press the button before I go to sleep. Now, I do have to tidy up my house in order for the vacuum to run, but I would have had to tidy my house up even if I was vacuuming myself. To me, it's worth the money because I don't have the time. So you have to decide if the robot is worth the time that you spend on it. For me, to vacuum my house 20 minutes every day, that's 20, 40, 60, 80, um, 100 and 100 minutes every week. So that's comes out for five days. So that comes out to like an hour and a half worth of time. And I would rather spend an hour and a half talking to my husband throughout the week. I don't want a vacuum. So it just depends on where your priorities are. If you're not working and you have the time to do it, please, by all means, buy a regular vacuum cleaner and just vacuum your floor. For me, I just don't have the energy. Plus, it, in Israel, it really is dusty on the floor. So much dirt gets in. I mean, there's so... My client this week, she has um, just sand in her backyard. I mean, that's it. The whole thing is sand. I mean, she could put down the like artificial grass, but all she has is sand, and it just blows into the house. And it's so sandy and it's like you can't even keep up with it and the robot just helps you clean up with it all i do is press the button and in the morning we empty the filter that's it and it's so easy my husband does it my kids could do it if i asked them to so like for me the robot is worth it especially because i got it secondhand and not new but and, and now the robots are so advanced I could set them for my smartphone while i'm at work you could set them to go off at a certain time every day so it's automated that you just set it one time and then it goes automatically for the rest of its life. I mean, that's what I do with my sprinklers. I don't stand outside and water my grass. I just, every night for 15 minutes, my sprinklers go on at 4 a.m. and that's it. It's done. And it's funny because at 4 a.m., if I ever like wake up to go to the bathroom and I'm washing my hands... I can feel that there's like no water pressure because the sprinkler is running outside for 10 minutes. So that's funny. But anyway, for me, the robot is worth it. For you, it might not be worth it. You're going to have to do a cost benefit analysis, see how much time you're willing to spend on actually vacuuming. Perhaps buying a cheaper upright vacuum is better. It really depends on you. Okay. Um... I think that was all the questions. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit in the last few minutes here about Hanukkah. Hanukkah's coming. This week is Black Friday. Please, please, please. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Put your wallet away. Okay. Take this time to focus on spending whatever you would normally spend, give it to Tzedakah. Please, 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 unless there was something you've been waiting for all year that you know was going on sale and will be cheaper, please, please, please be careful about your spending for Black Friday. What I really want to say is that 
Hanukkah has become, and holidays in general, have become more about presents, P-R-E-N-T-S, P-R-E, whatever, presents, gifts, rather than presents, P-R-E-N-S-C-E, right? Did I spell that right? (laughs) I'm a terrible speller, ladies. I'm going to Google it. Um, And that's a shame. So presents. P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. We are not living in our holidays anymore. We're so focused on the consumerism that goes along with these holidays. I mean, every single holiday, it's like, I mean, in Israel, it's funny because the supermarkets go from holiday to holiday. So (laughs) my husband and I always joke, how soon after Sukkot will we find our first sighting of a Sufgania? And I saw mine this year, like two days after Sukkot. I was shocked like crazy, especially because this year, Hanukkah and Sukkot um, just seem like very, very far apart. Um, but I mean, I know it's the same every year, amount of days, but still. Um, I am just shocked at like how soon and right after Sukkot, uh, right after Hanukkah comes, all the stuff for Tu Bishvat comes out and right after all that stuff comes out, everything for Purim comes out and as soon, the day, even sometimes it's three days before Purim, the Pesach stuff is already out and before the Pesach stuff is over, the dairy section totally goes on sale for Shavuot and that's great and I, and I love that about Israel that it's like we go from Jewish Chag to Jewish Chag but what I'm saying is is it's always about what I'm going to purchase next and we never get to live in that moment where we can just appreciate the holiday that we're in right now especially between Purim and Pesach because in Israel Pesach stuff really starts coming out even before Purim and I just feel like why does it have to be that way? Why does it always have to be about the shopping and the candy and all that stuff? Why can't it be about being with the people that you love during a, a hug? And I know that that's like totally idealist and I'm not going to tell you that my kids are not, you know, my parents are coming to visit and my kids have been calling my mother every single day. Ima, what are you going to buy? Me? Oh, my, my kids call my mother Ima. I know Israelis laugh at us. <laughs> I'm just mommy. But my mother is Ima. Everybody calls her Ima. Like all my cousins, everybody just calls her Ima. So she's like the Ima. Anyways, every um, every day, practically, the kids are on the phone and they're like, Ima, can we have this for Hanukkah or that for Hanukkah? Or what should we get? Or I'm going to put this in the Amazon shopping cart. And oy, it's driving me nuts. And I just want to say to them, let's just be so glad Ima and Zadie are coming to visit us. Like it's so nice that they're coming and we're so excited and we're going to take a trip together and no they're still (laughs) focused on the consumer aspect Uh, my oldest son is like a little bit into the trip he's like excited but still it's just it's hard it's really really hard so what I was thinking was that if you gave your kid a dollar let's say for every single night of the Chag uh, so like on the first day you give one dollar on the second day you give two dollars etc etc by the end you have like 36 dollars i think 
which is enough to buy like a pretty decent toy or to teach the kids to pool together their money at the end and buy something together that they have to share and use together, which lessens the amount of stuff you have in your home. So, um, or Rifki called and she said she gives her kids $2 every night. And at the end, after Hanukkah, they go on a trip afterwards and they use the money on their trips. So that's also a great idea. I think trips are like a great way to spend Hanukkah and make it less about the gifts. I personally, um, I love that idea. And we always try to take a trip over Hanukkah and it's really, it's really, it's nice. And I just, I, I don't know. To me, that's like the point of Hanukkah. Last year we went to Yama Melach and the best thing for me about going there during Hanukkah was lighting the Hanukkiot en masse. So you're not allowed to light the Hanukkiot in your hotel room. So they set up a table in the lobby where everybody brings down their Hanukkiot and there's like 60 or 70 Hanukkiot sitting all out on this table and it's magnificent. And you know, it's funny because I often say to my husband, I think that my kids won't really um, understand the beauty about living in Israel. <laughs> like the Chag Sameach on the buses or that all the stores are focused on the Chagim. I think that now they're so used to it and they, they never really knew a life any other way. They don't remember that it's not like that in other countries. But I still appreciate it. And I still, it never gets old for me seeing Chag Sameach written on a bus. It never gets old for me that the store is like all decked out for Purim or Pesach or Hanukkah. I love that. It's so, <coughs> excuse me, it's so amazing to me. And and it really never gets old for me. And I think it just comes down to teaching our kids to have gratitude and appreciation for what we do have. And that being said, another lady called me and asked me, what should I do about gifts from grandparents? That's, you know, <laughs> that's huge. I talk to my parents about what the kids can get. So usually we give our kids money every night so that they can learn to save. My parents give them gifts. It's true sometimes. Um, but it's usually something like extraordinary and they don't get anything else for the whole of Hanukkah. It's not about a present every night. I think if you can have a discussion with your in-laws or your parents about what the kids can have and what they can't have and that you don't want them to buy junk and that if you're going to get them a gift, it should be something that's really useful. So like, for example, my boys both, um, their scooters are old and actually they're just really too small for them. And they use their scooters like almost every day, but it's becoming sort of a safety hazard because they're really way too much to use the scooter anymore. And um, they're getting new scooters. Like that's something that they need, something that they want. New sneakers are a great thing, something that the kids might really want. New um, clothing that they might really want, a new bag that they might really want. Now's a great time to buy those things because they're cheaper and they're getting something that's actually useful. So I think when you're talking about gifts from grandparents, let's talk about the utility of the gift and let's talk about, you know, what the kid will actually want. Um, 
I always say that it's great if you can get grandparents to buy things like memberships, like to the zoo or to a science museum, because those things, I mean, we once went to the science museum in Queens. And I remember the first time I went there, I was like, oh, it's actually cheaper to buy the membership if you go two times. And going two times is so much better because you're not feeling like you're paying to rush through, like you don't feel stressed to go through it and rush through it. And it comes with like free parking and it comes with like discounts at the gift shop or like in the snack bar. And to me, the membership is totally worth it, If especially if you live close to someplace like that or they have reciprocal memberships where you can go to lots of different um, branches. So for example, in New York, if you buy the membership to the Bronx Zoo, you have access to the Bronx Zoo, to the Manhattan Zoo, to the Queens Zoo, to uh, Central Park Zoo, not Manhattan Zoo, Central Park Zoo, Queens Zoo, the aquarium in Brooklyn, and like one other thing I think and that's huge so you pay for the membership we lived in Riverdale and you know we went to the Bronx Zoo like three or four times in a year but it also gave us an excuse to go into the Central Park Zoo to go to the aquarium and those things on their own are expensive so buying a membership actually allowed us to have these family fun days throughout the year that were already paid for and that's like a really great great experience and you know and it's it's so much better than a gift one time that you know I mean so a membership sometimes costs like around $150 or maybe $200 but if you have four kids and you're spending and a grandparent is spending $50 per kid on a gift it ends up coming out to the same and this gift gives so much more I asked my parents to pay for um the after school chugim here in Israel because that's a great gift for my kids. My kids want to do like four or five of them. I always let them do three, but sometimes they want to do an extra one. And I say, maybe that can be your birthday present. My twins were born in September. So I always say to them, like, ask, you know, one of your grandparents if that will be their birthday, your birthday present. And the grandparents are so willing to do that. And I always tell my kids, if my, if one of the grandparents pay for it, I say, if this is, this is what, Grandma and grandpa are paying for, Ima and Zadie are paying for. After the chug every week, I want you to call them and tell them what you did. So my daughter takes a jewelry chug, for example. After the chug, she takes, she goes on uh, the her on the cell phone and she calls on WhatsApp to my mother and she does a video chat with her and she says, look what I made this week. And it's like a really great way for them to connect. I think the point of giving gifts is to connect with people. But sometimes when we give things that are not necessary or useful, we lose the connection to people. And so this is one way for our kids to connect to grandparents. And I hope um, that this really helps you um and that Hanukkah becomes less of a let's buy let's buy let's buy let's buy sort of rampage I really want everybody to continue to I know that new things will be coming into your house during Hanukkah so I really want everybody to continue to declutter five to ten items per day and keep me posted on the progress because I really want to know where are you at like how much have you decluttered? If you can, please take a before and after picture or 
catalog everything that you've discarded. You're not going to get to 2017 and 2017 probably in in this short time, although you may. Excuse me. I've had clients who have easily done 2017 and 2017 in five days. We can get rid of 2017 items. If you're really trying, you totally can. But you know, if you're just doing five items every day, you're not going to make it. But that's okay because it's okay. (laughs) The thing is, is that we keep being vigilant about organizing. Now, what I often say to my clients is that I can't come in and wave a magic wand for you. Okay. You can't expect that after three sessions with me, your house is going to be perfectly organized for the rest of your life. Mm -mm. It doesn't work that way. You're going to need to take second passes. Being organized in my opinion, is really constant vigilance. So it's about reducing what you bring into the house so that you have less to organize all the time, but also it's it's just about maintenance. So the same way, I love this analogy, I always say it, it's just like losing weight. Once you lose 50 pounds, right? You did it. Same thing. Once you lose 50, you know, half of your stuff, 50% of your stuff, you did a good job. Now, what are you going to do to make sure you don't get back to the way you were 50 pounds heavier or 50% of your stuff ago? Like what, there has to be a plan in place to maintain the success that you've had. If you want to maintain, you know, weight loss, you're going to eat less. You're going to eat a specific diet. You're maybe going to have a cheat cheat day, but it's not going to get out of control again. You, you're making a commitment to your body, to yourself, to your soul. The same thing with organizing. You need to make the commitment to maintain the progress that you've achieved. So that means buying less in the future. It also means um, constantly sorting through what you do have and finding where you can purge more. I am constantly going through all of my stuff to see if I can get rid of more stuff. Like last week, I was able to get rid of four things out of my closet. Now that doesn't sound like a lot of stuff, but it is when you only have eight shirts. So, so, and you know, six sweaters. And you know, I look around and I see, does anything need to be replaced? The things that I did get rid of, I, I'm not replacing. Um, but you know, my things were out. Um, I had a pair of shoes that I just, I wasn't wearing them. I, I'm like, oh, I don't need these. I'm not wearing them. Why am I not wearing them? Cause they're worn out and I don't wear them. That's it. I'm not replacing them. I don't need that kind of shoe anymore. And I'm, I'm, it's, I'm fine without it. So it's just also being comfortable, like living with less. It's like, do I need to eat that two pieces of chocolate cake? No, I, I could be happy with one piece, you know, and, and a small piece. So it's about lowering not our expectations, but just reassessing what we actually need and being more honest in that situation about what we actually need. It's going to be an issue, toys coming into the house for Hanukkah. Sometimes you can't control it. So what are you going to do? Before Hanukkah starts, clear out the toy room. Sit down with your kids for, you know, a couple hours or an hour every night and sort through all the stuff and see, do I need this? Do I not need this? Can I, can our shul use it in the playroom? Can another child use it? Can we donate it? What can we do with it so that 
we have less, especially because we know something's coming in. I also try to do this before birthday parties, although I have to tell you a story. Um, last year at my kids' birthday parties. So this year I didn't do birthday parties for any of my kids because we went on a trip and I'm like, that's it. That's, that's your birthday present. Um, we had a party last year for our twins and on the invitation I wrote no gifts please and all the Israeli mothers were like what what do you mean no gifts and they were shocked and they were angry almost like how could we not give you a gift and I'm like no my kids don't need anything so one mother had an idea and they took up a collection (laughs) and they gave my kids you know ended up being like 100 shekels each And that was actually perfect. The kids spent it on, like, in the end, what they wanted. And we didn't have a lot of stupid gifts that nobody really wanted. You know, all these five shekel presents that nobody really wants. Like, so it was weird to request that. But the point of the party is not to get gifts. The point is to spend time with your friends, right? And it's just about a shift, a realignment in our expectations, Do we expect to get presents? Yeah, we expect to get presents. But is that really the point of the party? No, that's not really the point. So I hope that this gives you some chizuk for Hanukkah. We could talk about it some more next week if you want. Hanukkah is getting closer. Yay, I love Hanukkah. Um, I love, love, love watching the menorah and eating latkes and um, donuts. Yum, donuts. Um, so if you want to talk more about Hanukkah, if you have more ideas about, you know, gifts that keep on giving, please call me, leave me a voicemail. Let me know, interact with me. I want to hear you. So I'll just remind you, you can leave me a voicemail, please, please, please. I beg you, I beg you, I beg you speak slow, clear and loud. Um, and you can email me Rebecca at balaganbegone.com or you can reach out to me in like a million other ways. So, um, you can find me on the internet at balaganbegone.com and I hope that I hear from you cause I love hearing your stories and your successes. It makes me feel like I'm not talking to everybody in a vacuum, but it makes me understand what you need to hear about more when I hear what your feedback is. So I can give you better content if you talk to me. Um, I want to wish everybody a organized week. I want you to all remember and repeat to yourself, Hashem keeps me organized. And I wish that everybody will make a plan for what they want to give their kids for Hanukkah and um, have a discussion with your husbands, have a discussion with your parents and your in-laws and your siblings about what's going to happen in gift exchanges for Hanukkah. And really, let's change the discussion and make it more about presents with this E-N-C-E rather than presents, E-N-T-S, and presents, gifts, and make it more about the Chag and spending family time and being together and less about the consumer aspect of the holidays that has become a problem in every religion, not just our religion. So um, I wish you an organized week, a happy week, 
and a good week. And Bezrat Hashem, more of a rainy week. <laughs> Please continue to daven for rain. And I look forward to speaking to you all next week. Bezrat Hashem.